Well, hey there, everybody. Welcome to Gather and Go, the podcast that helps you plan, promote, and lead better trips. I am Brian Jewell. I am your host, and I am absolutely delighted that you decided to spend some time with us today. Now, I know what you might be thinking. Hey, Brian, isn't this a bi-weekly podcast? And didn't you just drop an episode last week? And what are you doing in my feed again today? Well, you are right. This is normally a bi-weekly podcast. And you are right. We did release an episode last week. And you're right. We are back in your feed on a day you didn't expect. And let me tell you why. Today, we have a bonus episode for you that is going to give you an insider's look at one of the most popular group tour destinations in the country. We are speaking today with Anjali King, who works with Visit Savannah. She is going to tell us all about what's going on in Savannah, Georgia, why you should consider coming with your groups and some of the amazing things that they can see and do when they visit. So we're going to get right into that conversation. Here's my interview with Anjali King. All right, everybody. My guest today is a native of Savannah, Georgia, and is the director of domestic group tour and entertainment sales for Visit Savannah. She serves the motor coach, student and Girl Scout group travel markets and works with travel agencies that have clientele interested in exploring Savannah and Tybee Island. She also coordinates with film and television productions working in Savannah to provide housing assistance for all the cast and crew. Anjali King, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me, Brian. Yeah. So you grew up in a place where many, many Americans dream of going. How amazing is that? (laughs) You know, um, as a child, you don't naturally think you're born into quote unquote royalty, I guess you could say, because we are indeed the jewel of the South. Um, And I guess you take it for granted as well, you know, but I'm very blessed to say that, yeah, Savannah is definitely my home. Yeah. So everywhere I go around the country, I'm constantly asking people, uh, what's on your bucket list? Where do you like to go? Where uh, do your groups love to go? Where's a place that you know you can uh, put a tour together and it will always sell? And Savannah is very nearly always near the top of people's list, either of places they are dying to get to or places that are just absolute home runs. So uh, what are some of the things that attract so many people and have for so long? What is it that makes Savannah so special? I think it's really just the history. Um, and also, you know, when you look at, well, just talking about that for two seconds of it, really the history of Savannah itself, you know, being one of your original 13 colonies, the last of them. Um, I think that just naturally draws people to Savannah. Um, I think in an interesting way, our trees, um, you mm. know, I can't tell you through my work traveling, um, and personal travels, how often you go to visit cities that do not have trees, um, you know, with, yeah. and, you know, having the, that history there, you know, our live oaks are definitely oldest pretty much when the city was here and it's just one of those old cities you know it's like saying you want to go to dc you want to go to philly savannah's always in that same category it just is yeah the trees are amazing and in a way uh, you know oglethorpe kind of planned the city around the trees didn't he so we have 22 of the original 24 squares that James Oglethorpe did. Um, he basically laid it out almost in like checkers. Um, mm-hmm. So 22 of them are still around today that you can see. Um, so it was a well thought plan. Um, and it's interesting because you can actually see a lot of that history in each of those squares as well, whether it be a monument or um, it just it's always something like Tamachichi. He's buried in one of them, you know, which is who he met when he vis- first landed here in Savannah as well. 
And in, in addition to uh, the squares, you have uh, the river and a riverfront that is bustling and amazing and kind of adds this really sort of modern edge to a very historic city. So w- what is that contrast like? Uh, it's actually quite cool. Um, and what makes it very cool is because you can step step back in history for a second by walking on River Street and seeing, you know, Factors Walk and seeing, you know, the cobblestone streets and things like that. While that is all very cool, but like you said, tying in the modern side of things, Georgia and Savannah specifically is one of your top producing and major port cities. Um, so mm. we're like number two or three. I know we're in the top four. I'll put it that way. Uh, we're yeah. in the top four for a major port city. So it's kind of cool actually just sitting on River Street, having a good time and basking into the history that we have to offer. But then you look at the river and you see this big old cargo ship that just moseys on right back. It's like, dude, that was seriously like in China two days ago, you know, and it's like <laughs> passing you by now. So it's actually very cool to see those container ships as well. So seeing the tie between, you know, today plus the history from back in the day, I think it's a beautiful correlation. So I know a lot of people, if they visit Savannah, you know, on their own with a spouse or a loved one in a, you know, a family context, they might uh, poke around for a couple of days. They have a list of places they want to eat. They might see a couple of attractions. But when groups come to town, uh, they want itineraries. They want experiences. They want that guided uh, group experience. Yeah. So uh, you work with groups every day. What are some of the heavy hitters in Savannah that every group needs to see when they come? So first things first, you cannot visit Savannah without doing a trolley tour. To me, a trolley tour just kicks off everything. It lets you get the bearings. It lets you understand how the, the land is laid. It lets you understand all of really the history that we have to offer. Um, there are three great companies that you can actually choose from. Um, that would offer the hop on, hop off options um, throughout this throughout your duration of stay. Um, but also just it, that's pretty much the way you how you kick off anything. Um, mm-hmm. Like I said, it touches everybody, whether it be black history, whether it be Jewish history, whether it be American history, whether it be Girl Scouts, you know, whoever you're visiting and whatever your reason for touching Savannah, that's the way on how you get started. Another thing that I would recommend is strongly the culinary side of things. You know, if you don't want to necessarily sit on a trolley, you can totally do a culinary tour, such as like a walking um, history tour. Or you can do as my favorite is, the like I said, the culinary side. Savannah Taste Experience does an amazing job by taking you within roughly about a mile of walking um, your distance and things. But you'll pick up that history along the way while stuffing your face with some good food. And you can never go wrong with that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, totally. So uh, when I think about eating in Savannah, I know I've had some memorable meals there. There's a couple of fried chicken meals that come to mind. But what what are those dishes that are iconic for you and that you always encourage visitors to eat while they're in town? Hands down, a true Southern meal you're going to have and don't hold it against me, but the list goes on and on. Trust me. But it's going <laughs> to be fried chicken, mac and cheese, collard greens, candy yams. You're going to have cornbread. You're going to have peach cobbler. You're going to have sweet potato pie. You're going to have the works lima beans. You're going to have everything. Nine out of ten, I recommend to everybody. You probably should take the walking tour so that we can have that (laughs) extra weight to walk off what you're eating (laughs) um, while you're visiting just uh, because the food is very heavy. But the classic staples, hands down, will be, you know, fried chicken, mac and cheese, collard greens, candy yams, things like that. 
Oh, that sounds amazing. <laughs> so, so something that I think a lot of group travel planners struggle with in different destinations is uh, they've heard about the culinary scene there. Yes. And then uh, they discover that, you know, the most famous restaurants or the hottest restaurants or whatever, they could never get a group into. Either they don't have the space, they couldn't get a reservation, the place isn't interested in groups, you know. So um, Savannah, obviously very popular destination with some very well-known restaurants. Yep. Can you get groups into some of the famous restaurants in Savannah? Yes. So you can get them in. Um, sometimes it may come with a small fee um, to accommodate that group because you have to also remember that while we love our motor coach groups um, and student groups and things, but we are also a top wedding destination as well. Um, so sometimes those spaces can double up either as a group dining option or it could be a wedding venue for some. Um, but things such as like um, Paula Dean's, the Lady and Sons, they have group availability. Um, you also have a very famous and popular one is the Pirate's House, which was featured inside of Treasure Island. Um, but you also have a quiet staple to the South um, that we know as locals is Mrs. Wilkes Boarding House. Mm. She's not, um, they won't let you do groups for lunches, but you can do them for dinner. But she's very specific on her hour. So you would have to do like an early dinner on a Monday through Thursday, but it can be accommodated. So um, I think it's really just a matter of a little bit of flexibility in there, but also knowing, you know, certain price points depending on the group itself. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I think a lot of people know all about Paula Dean and her origin story there uh, on the Georgia coast. The Pirate House uh, is a place I've been, a fascinating restaurant. I believe there was a pirate walking around when I was there. Tell us a little bit about, and it's not just a theme restaurant, right? Like there's a whole, um, there's an authentic story there. So tell us what that experience is all about. So, um, like I said, featured in the book Treasure Island itself, um, it is actually one of the oldest standing still houses for the state of Georgia. Um, but whenever pirates and shipmen and everybody else used to still just come to Savannah, that was the watering hole, you know, um, and they have a really good Chatham artillery punch, by the way. But um, <laughs> you definitely want to check that out. But um, there as far as their menu and what they offer, like you said, they have the, the Southern staples. But believe it or not, my favorite entree from them is actually they have a salmon salad, um, mm. which is quite delicious. It is just paired perfectly with a great vinaigrette. So um, that's actually my personal favorite. But you can totally go and enjoy any Southern staple, whether it be shrimp and grits, um, which is another true Southern staple as well. And Mrs. Wilkes is also a historic space, isn't it? So Mrs. Wilkes is a boarding house. It used to be a, a board, old boarding house here in Savannah. Um, and she actually had the pleasure of um, serving Colonel Sanders um, from wow. KFC. Yeah. Um, and it's funny because her saying is uh, when he came to visit, he said, you know, some of this was the best fried chicken, blah, blah, blah. You know, they had their conversations. But she said, you know, if you made your chicken like how I did, you'd have been a general. So it's quite common. I said, that lady was spooky. I loved her, um, <laughs> but she's pretty great. But um, yeah, they, they are absolutely amazing over there. Um, and their hours are unique. I mean, their line is out there, you know, um, because their hours are specifically Monday through Friday from 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. And it's cash only. Wow. Yeah. And they're closed the entire month of January. Wow. So like if I just come, you know, with my wife and kids, we got to wait in that line. Right. But yeah. if a group works with you ahead of time, do they get to skip the line? 
So not for lunch per se, but you can for dinner. That's why I was saying from earlier. Yeah, you can totally um, do dinner with your group, which makes it that much more special. So I would say, you know, skip a lunch line, you know, let your group enjoy another Southern favorite like the Pirate's House or Paula Deen's and then mm-hmm. just save them for dinner. But just make sure you do an early dinner and they can totally be accommodated. Another great uh, dinner option in the city is on a riverboat, right? Like there's this amazing riverboat that cruises up and down uh, the river. There's food, there's entertainment. So fill us in on what that experience is like. The riverboat is like none other. Um, I like to brag on our riverboat because our Georgia queen is quite beautiful. Um, She is a pretty large vessel as well. She can accommodate up to a thousand passengers. Um, So, yeah, and they are and the chef that's on there. He is an award winning chef as well. Um, so all of the cuisines and things that you will enjoy on the riverboat um, will be immensely delicious. I will also say that um, my favorite time to visit and to do one of the cruises is on Monday nights specifically. Um, and the reason being is because they offer a gospel dinner cruise um, every mm-hmm. Monday night. Um, and it's only done on Mondays, even through the holiday. Um, and this is the first year they're actually going to start doing a holiday Christmas one. Um, So you'll even have those. But the Gospel Dinner Cruise, I think, by far is their bestseller. um, And it is phenomenal for groups. Uh, Another great musical experience for groups is not far away, right at the Savannah Theater. Savannah Theater. Yep. I love uh, and that ties and pairs perfectly um, with the riverboat um, just because of what they have to offer. It's one of your oldest continual operating theaters in the United States. Um, So therefore, they have a lot of different offerings. Again, my personal favorite is called A Christmas Tradition, and I think that is also Mm. their bestseller. Um, I'll be hosting a fam here in Savannah in a couple of weeks. um, And the show that they will enjoy is Grease. The musical. Oh, nice. So, yeah. Yeah. So uh, I guess we get to see what's going on with Sandy and uh, Danny. <laughs> over there. <laughs> I wonder if that story has changed any. Um, well, the theater, usually, this is what I think I like the most about the theater is they, t- they kind of create their own storylines based on what you assume. Um, oh, nice. but they put their own twist on things. So they almost write their own scripts and stuff, kind of following the idea of what it is. So I'm actually intrigued myself to see how Grease the Musical rolls. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. So you mentioned, uh, obviously talking about history, Mm -hmm. um, there is the colonial history. There's all the beautiful buildings. Uh, Savannah was also right in the middle of the slave trade and, uh, you know, some of the the more difficult and sad parts of American history. So, um, tell us how Savannah is working on telling the story of black heritage in in a way that uh, people may not be aware of and in a way that gives them learning experiences that that allow them to come away uh, with kind of an expanded mind and and more perspective? Well, I think you have to start by remembering again that we are a port city. Um, I think sometimes people confuse us with Charlietown. I'm in Charleston um, (laughs) in regards to um, some of that history. I'm dealing with plantations. So I say that and I bring up Charleston mainly because, like I said, they have more of the plantations, whereas we are the port city, which means this is where it all started. When they came in off the boat, per se, um, they landed in Savannah. And then at that point is when they were bought and sold. So um, we do have a beautiful African-American monument that is on River Street in the place where they were bought and sold. Um, So the story starts there, you know, Um, and then the moment you kind of carry that on there, there are 
Some, there is some wonderful history um, in Savannah to also share that. Um, for example, you have the historic First African Baptist Church um, here in Savannah, which is literally about one block or two up from River Street. Um, so you can actually visit that church. You also have historic First Bryan Baptist Church. Both of them have the oldest black congregation um, for the United States. Um, so you have those things. But companies such as Footprints of Savannah um, and also Day Clean Journeys, both of them do a great job um, providing information um, and a thorough history tour from start to finish about that history in more detail. Yeah. You know, those uh, the churches you mentioned, if I remember the stories correctly, I mean, these are places that enslaved people built in the little bit of free time that they had Absolutely. Uh, because they they wanted a place for their community to gather. They wanted a place to worship. And so when you visit the churches, you hear those stories and it's massively inspiring, right? Absolutely. Um, something to give you chill bumps on is in the floor of historic First African Baptist Church, you'll find breathing holes in the floors. Mm. Um, and that's basically sometimes it served as a purpose for the Underground Railroad where they would house them just so that way they can try to escape. Um, but you can actually physically see those holes there. You'll also find markings on certain pews upstairs in the church that where that was their way of saying, you know, that was their family and they marked that to say mm. this is who we were. Um, so you'll find things like that inside of historic First African Baptist Church. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. Now, there are other uh, historic sites around the city that uh, include the story of enslaved people uh, in the visitor experience. So what are what are a couple of those that people should be aware of? Absolutely. So things like that would be like the Ralph Mark Gilbert Civil Rights Museum that's located here in Savannah. You also have the Owens Thomas House in Slave Quarters um, right here in Savannah. So you can actually see um, where uh, they have pretty much unfolded history um, when they were doing the preservations of the carriage house. And that's where their slave quarters would have been. You also have the Davenport House Museum. Um, they are literally right now changing um, where their gift shop was located at in the basement of the house. They've now shifted that to the Kennedy Pharmacy, which is an 1890s repurposed um, pharmacy. Um, they've changed and shifted the gift shop to that location because they are literally right now finishing up the basement of the Davenport House to develop the story of the 13 enslaved workers that worked in the Davenport House. Um, and then on the coastal side, just about 20 minute drive from the historic district, you have a beautiful, well-known um, area called Pinpoint, Georgia. Um, and inside of Pinpoint, there is the Pinpoint Heritage Museum. And you can learn more about the Gullah Geechee culture over in that area as well in the Moon River District. Yeah. So there's enough uh, different historic sites uh, and things to visit that you could certainly do a, a Black History and Heritage focused tour in Savannah. Uh, and I know that sort of thing is popular with many groups. I also think it's just so important to to note that no matter what your ethnic background is, your racial history, your nationality, even if you immigrated here from somewhere else, like Black history and culture is not just a Black travel experience, right? I mean, this right. is something that will be moving and eye-opening for people of any background. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, even tapping onto that, it's not even just like you said, black history. We also have Jewish history here. You know, we have the congregation McPhee Israel. It's one of your only Gothic style synagogues um, for the Jewish community here in Savannah. And in that facility, you do have the second oldest Torah scroll housed in there that you can actually view as well. So there are so many different ways to look at the angle of Savannah um, just by 
different cultures, you know, not like you said, not just necessarily on race, but also religion. Yeah. Oh, that's fascinating. We could probably spend hours talking about Savannah from a historic perspective, but one of the great things about the city is it really never stops. And so I know there's some exciting new stuff going on in the city. So when people are planning those itineraries, what are some of those new things that they need to include time to see and do? So hands down, um, you need to check out the JW Marriott Plant Riverside District. That is probably the new hustle bustle it location for Savannah. You can stay there, of course, if you have a bank to rob. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but <laughs> um, but um, you can definitely stay at the JW Marriott Plant Riverside District and be in the know of things. Um, Mr. Kessler has done a, a phenomenal job um, by actually um, repurposing history of Savannah as mentioned, that is the Plant Riverside District. So it was originally the power plant for the city of Savannah. And what he did was preserve history by gutting it, but keeping the history alive. For example, inside of it, you'll find like the breaker boxes and the breakers that fuel the city um, in the smokestacks for the um, for the building. You'll actually find it's lit up. Um, if you have mm. dinner in one of the restaurants, you can actually eat dinner in one of the smokestacks. So it's wow. actually... It's very cool on how he incorporated it all, which we're grateful for, um, just because it still kept all of our history there. Um, so I would say the JW Marriott. I would also throw in there out on um, the beach area if you are willing to head out to our beautiful Tybee Island, um, which is 18 mm-hmm. miles from downtown historic Savannah. Um, out there, there's a new restaurant called Pier 16. Um, and to be honest with you, they are delicious. They are Mm. delicious. You can probably have some of the freshest Georgia shrimp because it comes straight in off the boat right there and they cook it up. So another great hot spot. Um, And then I would incorporate also maybe a cooking class or two going to um, in the historic district. You have the mansion at Forsyth Park. They offer cooking classes. But in our Starland area, um, you have Chef Darren's cooking class, which is my personal favorite um, because I like to learn how to make pralines and, you know, Mm. derby deviled eggs and things like that. So, yeah. Yeah. And so these are experiences that a, a group can participate in all together. Absolutely. Absolutely. Especially at Chef Darren's cooking class. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Now you mentioned Tybee Island. I think a lot of people who haven't spent a lot of time on the Georgia coast, uh, maybe don't quite uh, understand the relationship between Savannah and Tybee or how you get from one to the other, or whether you can do them all in one trip. So uh, walk us through if a group wants to make Tybee part of the visit, how do they usually integrate that into their overall time in Savannah? So they usually put um, Tybee at the beginning or the end. It's either one. It's never really in the middle of it mainly because mm-hmm. it's a nice wrap up or a nice kickoff. I like to put it at the end as a wrap up um, just because you can always say, oh, you know, you do the hustle bustle in Savannah, you know, between trolley tours, house tours, cooking classes, things like that. But then it's like, OK, we all know you relax on a beach, you know, um, but yeah. out there in that area, it's it's really the back door, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so things that they would incorporate would be um, on the way out there. You have Fort Pulaski, for example. You also have historic first um, Fort Jack. Jackson, um, which mm-hmm. is located out there as well, which is one of your oldest standing brick forts. Um, so you have that history on the way out towards Tybee. So you would start and add that in there first with one of the forts, maybe then go have lunch at the Crab Shack um, or you could have lunch at Pier 16, either one of those locations. Um, but then you would then visit like the Tybee Island Lighthouse um, or the Marine Science Center. Either of those locations would be another way to kind of wrap that in there and then throw some shopping, maybe walk on the pier. Here, um, and then, you know, come on back home or you could stay out on Tybee at Hotel Tybee. 
Yeah, cool. So it's uh, accessible by a bridge. You can take your motor coach over there. Yes, you totally can. So give us a sense of uh, the range of lodging options you guys have, maybe uh, what sort of hotel uh, is cool or special for what kind of group and uh, the different parts of town that people should think about staying in. So um, since we were just on Tybee, I'll say on Tybee, a great and probably the number one group friendly hotel option is going to be Hotel Tybee. Um, mm-hmm. They are the largest hotel um, out on Tybee Island, um, even though it's quote unquote not a branded property, but they do operate by brand standards. Um, so they mm-hmm. have that true experience. Um, so I'll say Tybee Island, you want to stay out there. Um, if you come downtown, it can go anywhere from, like I said, the JW Marriott, or you can go to, you know, a good old Hampton, you know, or a courtyard. There's state bridges, there are Holiday Inns, Holiday Inn Expresses, there's all kinds of things, you know, the River Street Inn, if you want a uh, historic, you know, and that's one of your first hotels on River Street. So, I mean, it's a plethora of options in downtown Savannah. If you wanted to do Midtown, like I said, your options are still available. You can do a Hilton Garden Inn or a Hampton. Uh, same thing in the I-95 corridor. So you don't have to necessarily worry about that. So it's a wide range of variety of hotels. Yeah. And in the, in the da- uh, downtown historic area, even some of those branded, uh, well-known hotels are very unique architecturally. Some of them yes. are historic spaces. Like it's not just showing up at another, you know, random three or four star hotel. Like it's going to be an experience, right? Absolutely. For example, I know like the Hampton on Bay, for example, um, they have exposed brick um, Mm. inside of their guest rooms. Um, You have the Stay Bridge, Historic Savannah. They were a part of, um, excuse me, not not Stay Bridge. The Kempton Bryce Hotel was one of the Coca-Cola bottling factories um, Mm. when they were here in Savannah. So you're going to have all those little pieces of history all incorporated throughout their stay, but quote unquote running the brand, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's great. So when you work with tour groups, is there a a time of year that you find uh, is best for them based on your other visitation patterns and, you know, when is high season and low season and all that? High season is forever in Savannah. (laughs) I hate to disappoint them, but high season is forever in Savannah. Um, The best advice I would offer is a Sunday through Thursday stay pattern. Um, Mm. You really just want to stay off the weekends, Friday and Saturday, really Thursday nowadays also. um, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday nights, they take care of themselves in Savannah. They really do. Um, And if you really want the best feel for your group, the best flow for your group, you really want them to come in on a Sunday through Thursday to incorporate things like the gospel dinner cruise on a Monday night, um, because you won't get those on the weekend. As far as, you know, I think you've been asked me about price point, I think, or something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. Um, again, your ba- your rates are always going to be better Sunday through Thursday on the weekends. Expect $300 <laughs> or more. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's that's good to know. That's information that tour planners definitely can use. So uh, let's say there's somebody listening who plans uh, tours for groups and says, you know, I like the sound of this and that. I have some other questions. There are some things I've heard about in Savannah that I'd like to do that I haven't heard you talking about. What is the best way for them to get those questions answered, to get sample itineraries, to build a custom itinerary? How do they go about doing that? So I have um, a group tour planner that I would like to invite you to check out. It is at visitsavannah.com forward slash groups. And once you open up that web page, if you scroll probably a quarter of the way down, you'll find my Savannah group tour planner. You'll also find group dining options. Um, You'll also have my contact information where you can submit an RFP and I can help you further or call me directly. I'm always willing to help as wherever I can. 
Yeah. And that, that RFP process is pretty helpful. Like these planners don't have to navigate the whole gamut of hotels on their own, but they can say, Hey, Anjali, here's the group I've got. Here's what I'm looking for. And you kind of steer them to the places that are good fits, right? Absolutely. I'm trying to make it as seamless as possible and make it as easy as possible. It's nothing more aggravating, I'm sure, to call this hotel and that hotel and this hotel and that hotel. I promise you, most of our partners, especially my motor coach partnered hotels, they all know me and they all know when Anjali comes ringing, oh, she got business. All right, let's get it. (laughs) (laughs) So they tend to be very Uh, responsive. Yeah, yeah. I love to hear that. All right. Well, we have a few questions that we ask uh, every guest before we let them go. These are just fun questions. So uh, no pressure, just uh, kind of off the top of your head. Okay. Uh, when you travel, do you pick a window seat or an aisle seat? Always a window seat. Yeah. What's the reasoning there? Uh, <laughs> um, and I'm assuming on an airplane and a car or whatever, however, maybe. Mm-hmm. Fun fact, I love to travel, but if I do not have a window seat, I get very nauseous on a plane. Mm. Yeah. You know, my wife's the same way, so I can, I can definitely relate. So when you do travel, uh, what's something that is always in your carry on that you would never travel without? Change of clothes. Mm, so smart. I got stuck. I got stuck in Chicago in the middle of a storm <laughs> and I did not have a change of clothes. And I was praying to sweet baby Jesus the whole time that I could just at least get a hotel room or something. <laughs> I changed clothes. <laughs> oh, wow. So you'll never make that mistake again. Precisely. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's such a good tip. So good. Okay. So if you uh, had a free airline pass and a week off work with nothing else to do, where do you think you'd be going? I would be flying Delta. And I'm praying that's the airline that gave it to me. Yeah. <laughs> um, and my all-time favorite place in the world is London. Mm, beautiful. I love yeah. London. I think I was a Brit in another life. It was either there or Italy, because I swear I'm Italian in another life, too. <laughs> <laughs> I eat like an Italian, that's for sure. Facts. Give me my wine and pasta and I'm happy. <laughs> it's all about the carbs. That's right. <laughs> Don't tell my doctor. <laughs> uh, yeah, right, right. All right. So last question. Uh, what's something you have seen or done on the road that you wish you could experience again with somebody you love? Oh, good question. Um, You know, I've seen people go from state to state or whenever they're in a road trip or however it may be. And I like the cliche of taking like a photo at like those Georgia mom, um like the state to state mile markers, not mile markers. What do you call them? The, yeah, like the the state signs as you yeah, enter your state. Yeah, thank you. The state signs and stuff. I think that's actually pretty sweet and a nice way to just remember things. Um, I think that's something that I, I think I would totally wish and love to do. Yeah. Oh, that's so sweet. Wonderful. Anjali King, it's great to talk to you. You make me excited to be coming back to Savannah soon, and I know our uh, our listeners are going to be excited as well. So, thanks for being with us today. Thank you for having me. And come on, I'm ready for you. Well, I hope you enjoyed that deep dive into the culture and history of Savannah with Anjali King. I know I certainly did. I cannot wait to get back. If you are interested in taking your groups to Savannah or learning more about the city, well, there are tons of resources for you at visitsavannah.com. That's it for this episode of Gather and Go. Next week, we will be back on our regular schedule with an episode featuring Joe Venito. Fascinating conversation. You're not going to want to miss that. Until then, remember this. At the end of the day, we are all on this trip together. So let's make it a good one. See you next time 
on Gather and Go. Gather and Go is hosted and executive produced by me, Brian Jewell. Our publisher is Mac Lacey. Donya Simmons is our creative director. Ashley Ricks is our circulation manager and graphic designer. Our sales team is Kyle Anderson and Bryce Wilson. To advertise on the podcast, call Kyle or Bryce at 888-253-0455. Gather and Go is a production of The Group Travel Leader. For more information about our magazines, podcasts, and events, visit us online at grouptravelleader.com.